Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. All right, welcome into the program. Excited to have a new episode of the Packers Wire podcast. And uh, Zach, let's just dive right into this this game with the 49ers. I think the top takeaways for me was that it was vintage Rodgers, Devontae Adams, right? The back shoulder throws, the deep shots, the goal line stuff. I, I mean... After that week one game, it was real rough. And it's like, oh, my God, what's going on with this team? It was the crazy, sketchy offseason. It's like, oh, my God, is this going to be is this going to turn into a dumpster fire? And I think we all needed to see this game against the 49ers to see it kind of click, to see the team kind of get all up on the 49ers. They were crushing them early. And then they face some adversity mid game and they kind of overcome it and just end up being the tougher team at the end, especially Devontae Adams. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But I don't know. I just feel like the Packers kind of got their swag back in this game. And that's a good sign. Yeah, I, I know this was only a, a, a week three game. But, you know, like you said, I do think this was a big one for the Packers. They were without three of their best players. You know, no David Bakhtiari, no Ellen Jenkins, no Zadarius Smith. And then, you know, they have to go out into San Francisco where they haven't played well in a very long time. Yeah, how support. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's on a short week because they played the Monday night before. And, you know, they kind of beat up on a good team, especially in that first half in their home opener, you know, in front of a bunch of fans that hadn't been in there since the, uh, the 2019 NFC Championship game. So, yeah, I think this was a very important win, you know, like I said, especially against this team. And like you said, after that, that week one disaster, because – I think they needed to to prove to themselves that they could, you know, play like an elite team against a really good team. And I think they did that on Sunday night. There was one head scratching drive in the fourth quarter. I think some people have been writing about this. And I just feel like this one, if they would have lost this game and it would have went bad in the fourth quarter, this is what our whole show would have been, or at least this first segment would have been all about this drive. And I want to get your take on it, Zach. So the 49ers score, it's 24-21, uh, 7.48 to play. Packers get the ball back. And that's when Rodgers throws the deep ball to Devontae where he gets his head taken off, right? And, I mean, I don't know how that wasn't a flag. So, I guess this whole take gets thrown out the window because that should have been a flag, and I don't know how it wasn't. But still, Devontae gets knocked unconscious, it looked like, you know, when it happened. But that was first down. Second down's another deep ball to MVS, incomplete. Then there's the timeout, and they get Devontae back on the field, which I have no idea how that man was back on the field, but uh, what a tough SOB. And yep. Devontae, and, and I, I don't know how he convinced the doctors he was okay, but anyway, Zach, I don't know how much we want to get into that. But uh, Devontae's <laughs> back on the field, and Rodgers doesn't waste any time. He goes right back to uh, his top target, but that one falls incomplete. You know, They only drain 30 seconds off the clock. They still have the lead, and they give the ball right back to San Francisco, and I think that drive was a head-scratcher. And if the Packers were to lose, we would have been like, why are they chucking it deep three times in a row with 7.48 to play? Yeah, That was a head scratcher. What do you think about that sequence? Yeah, the way you described it, obviously, you know, that's a baffling series. But I will I will say as a counter, I wonder if maybe, you know, they thought the 49ers were going to be playing the run hard and that they could get a big play down the field because they, you know, they had started to started to, to run the ball pretty well there. 
And, you know, obviously when you're running the ball well and you got a lead late in the fourth quarter, you want to probably stick with it. But, you know, you look at those three plays, Devontae definitely had a shot to make that deep catch before he got obliterated. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> MVS was, you know, he was probably open on that second down throw, but, you know, he came up a little bit late. He had a, I think he hurt his hamstring actually on that play. And then you talked about that third down throw to Devontae and he, you know, he was wide open along the sideline. So I think I would blame the execution a little bit more than I would the play calling there because, you know, they had a bunch of shots to get some big plays and, you know, you get a, get an explosive play or, you know, you score a touch, a long touchdown there in that situation and that pretty much ices the game. So yeah, I get it. I, I think I would have, you know, stuck with the run there in that, that situation and drained a bunch of clock. Cause you know, I, that San Francisco offense wasn't, wasn't scaring me too much, but you know, I, I do think they kind of wanted to go for the kill shot there and it, it almost ended up really hurting them. Come on, Zach. Jimmy G doesn't scare you. That's my guy, Jimmy G. <laughs> no, he doesn't scare no. me either anymore. I, I don't know if he's ever scared anybody. Let's be honest. Um, no, it, it did seem like that easily could have been a scheme thing or something that they saw in game because it seemed like Rodgers wanted to go deep a lot. He was taking a lot of shots yeah. in this game and he hit a couple, I mean, a couple 40-yard hits like... It was legit. It seemed like a game plan type of thing, right? Rodgers did seem like he wanted to air it out in this one. Yeah, I think that's that's been their plan. They've you know they've been been facing some of these uh, you know two deep safety looks that have given them some problems. The Saints really gave them obviously problems with that in Week One, and you know I think they found some things against the 49ers that that were working against that two two deep shell. You know they were they were peppering you know Devontae with targets underneath, and I think that that softened them up a bunch, and they were able to to go over the top a little bit. So, yeah, I think I think that had to have been, you know, what Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were thinking in that situation because, you know, you even look at those plays and the 49ers were playing a lot in the box. They were, you know, they had one safety high and all those those plays. So, you know, I, I really think they were just going deep to try and ice the game. Now, a big storyline in the NFL this year has already, Zach, has been coaches screwing up time management. I think the Cowboys with Mike McCarthy, he's been involved in a few of them, a few head-scratching clock management decisions, uh, including leaving a minute 20 on the clock for Tom Brady in in that week one game. You know, they had that decision. Do we kick the field goal in fourth and six or just keep our offense on the field and try to run the clock out? Because, you know, a minute 20 for Brady with only needing a field goal, you kind of knew how that was going to go. And 37 seconds, not quite the same as 120. And Rodgers didn't have a timeout. But you kind of felt watching the game as these teams are kind of scoring back and forth that 37 seconds is probably going to be too much, right? Especially with Rodgers being happy to go down the field. What do you think about that in real time when there was that much time on the clock, no timeouts? Did you feel like Mason Crosby was going to get a really good chance at it? I mean, the 49ers still had to feel really, really good about their situation at that point. 37 seconds, no timeouts for the Packers. But the funny thing about that play is you you run it back and – you know, the Packers had, you know, two or three shots to tackle juice check short of the goal line. And that would have been really interesting because, you know, if they make that tackle, they, you know, they combo to make that tackle up a one yard line, you know, the 49ers definitely would have killed more clock, almost certainly would have still scored the go ahead touchdown from the one. So, you know, really you look back and those, those missed tackles were super lucky for him because, you know, they needed all 37 seconds to get into field goal range. So, like I said, I, I think the 49ers are, are probably a little maybe kicking themselves that they scored that a little little too early. But, man, that was their first lead in the whole game. They went up 28-27. That was their first lead. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, especially after being down 17 nothing in the first half, they, they must have felt pretty good about their situation. You, you know, it still took 
you know, you look at that first throw and, you know, he got that over Fred Warner's hand by about a foot. Ridiculous. To get, to get that ball <laughs> to Devontae on that deep end. And then it took another deep end. You know, they're guarding the sidelines and they, they hit him for two deep ends to, to get in field goal range. So, yeah, I think, you know, in an ideal world for the 49ers there, they would have, you know, maybe ran a few more plays and, you know, had the, had the ball last there and not giving Aaron Rodgers a chance. But it's it's hard to it's hard to go against going up, you know, in that situation, too. That's an argument that's being made, right? When you need a touchdown, do you score it? whenever you can get it because it's a touchdown it's not a field goal so yeah. you can't really dink around too much or yeah. do you really play that clock management thing when it's Aaron Rodgers on the other side it's an interesting debate you're right like 37 seconds the 49ers they should make that stop defensively like yeah. they really should yeah. that should not be that hard to stop but again you're Rodgers is just fitting the ball in like perfectly so like what are you going to do but that's an interesting debate right like do you score the touchdown no matter what because it's a you need to score it you can't dink around too much it's a tough one. Yeah. And it, I mean, you look at that play that they scored on, it's just a short pass to a fullback, yeah. you know, underneath, you, you know, I, I'm guessing the 49ers probably didn't think they were going to score on that play. You know, Jimmy G probably didn't think he was going to, you know, have a touchdown pass out of that throw, but you know, it took a great effort. You know, he broke a couple tackles, got in. So yeah, sometimes you just get unlucky like that. Like I said earlier, I think the Packers got their mojo back, Zach, but it's still hella awkward with this team I still don't think like they're back back there's still like some stuff going on it's still like I'm not sure how to feel about them I'm, do I want to say that they're definitely still an NFC contender or could this could this thing go off the rails I don't know I want to talk a little bit more big picture stuff we'll do that in our next segment coming up next this is the typical sports book fantasy minute let's make this interesting interesting Welcome to week number four of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucs. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa there's a good chance that Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins. Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk, Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career high in fantasy points per game and a career high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering a rib injury in week two, and he and AJ Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. Expect the strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryer moves to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Fryermuth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage. And this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. 
while we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to thehuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, so things obviously got off to an ominous start in week one, Zach, against the Saints. I, st- I still don't know what happened in Jacksonville. That's still so- that's a head scratcher, to say the least. Yeah, that was, that was a mystery. I don't think <laughs> even the Packers really know what, yeah. what happened down there in Jacksonville. And in the aftermath, everyone's just dumping on Rodgers about his offseason and about how long he was away from the team and, you know, legit concerns, I think, in that moment where the team was going. But since then, Rodgers has completed 45 of 60 passes, 516 yards, six touchdowns, no picks, <laughs> and he's beaten San Francisco. You got to throw the lines in there, too. But, you know, anonymous start. I feel a lot better now, Zach. And I think the reason I feel better is because of that reaction by Rodgers after the field goal. Now, I don't know why. I just feel like that was super important. And I know Rodgers is going to say, you know, he's saying, screw all the critics and screw you. Don't talk about my personal life and whatever. But I don't know. I think some of it was warranted. Some of the speculation about where the Packers were at, where he was at, where his head was at and all that. I think all of that was warranted. And to see him just go bananas on the sideline, not only after the kick went through, but before the kick went through, as he's coming off the sideline, it was very noticeable. I don't know. I feel like I needed to see that. Do you think Green, do Green Bay Packers fans feel the same way? Did, did you guys need to see that reaction to know, like, all right, he's fully back. He's fully invested. Look how much it matters to him. Like, I don't know. He's kind of been so zen and, like, close to the vest. I had to see that outburst. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, he goes through this this off season of, you know, is he going to come back? Is he not? Is he going to retire? And, you know, he, you know, he skips the whole OTAs, um, you know, and then they come back and they lay this egg in week one. And I, you know, I never subscribed to the, the fact that he didn't care in week one or, you know, he's trying to take the game or get revenge on the Packers somehow. I never, I never thought that was a real thing, but I do think, you know, just the way the whole offseason went down, they opened themselves up to, you know, all that kind of speculation, just, just the way it all unfolded. And then to play so poorly in week one, I do think, you know, you know, you open yourself up to a lot of, a lot of that crap when you, when you do stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I think it's, it's clear to me that he, that he cares. Um, you know, you see him in that, that Lions game, he was, he was almost perfect in that Lions game. And then he comes back, you know, the San Francisco game, he plays really, really well. So I do think, you know, this isn't a situation where he's, you know, trying to tank the season or anything like that. But yeah, like you said, he needed that, that reaction after the game, you know, to that, to that game winning kick. And now we, you know, maybe this team can, can put some of that stuff in the, the rear view mirror and kind of focus forward on, on what the goals are this year. He was away for six months and it was awkward when he came back and those press conferences, remember those pressers and how much, you know, how widely publicized they were. I mean, it was, it was awkward. And where you at right now, Zach, with this whole situation, like 
you know, I, I've heard the term last dance, quote unquote, thrown out for Rodgers and the Packers. And certainly it's set up that way. Like the Packers could certainly move on from Rodgers at the end of this year with the way it's all set up. I mean, is that your prediction at this point? You know, three weeks in, do you feel like this is the last dance for Rodgers and the uh, Packers? Yeah, it's hard because I think both sides kind of left the door open for, for things to get fixed. Definitely, but yeah. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, all the signs that we can see now probably point to this being it for Rodgers and Green Bay. I think, you know, if I had to make a prediction right now, he's probably either, you know, traded next March or I, I wouldn't even rule out, you know, him retiring at some point because, you know, when he was talking about being, you know, 50-50 about retirement all the way up until like the start of training camp, I, I believed him. I think, you know, he loves football. I think he's proved he loves football, but he's also much more than just a football player. So I think the two sides can mend this relationship over this year. I think, you know, that's one thing they did by themselves is, you know, both sides bought themselves some time to, to get this worked out. But man, you look at the, especially the financial aspect of it and the salary cap and, you know, how everything lines up and, you know, they're going to, they like Jordan Love. They, you know, they're going to want to see him before you know they have to make some decisions on him. So, yeah, if I had to make a prediction right now, it's probably that he's. I'd probably lean towards traded next March because I think you know he's still playing at a high level. And I think he's going to probably still want to keep playing, but. I think, you know, at the very least, Rodgers is approaching this year like it's his last. You know, he kind of did that last year, too. He, he talked this this offseason a bunch about that. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my guess that this is um, this is probably it for him in this year. That's wild. That's heavy, you know, when you think about it. It's like yeah. the last one. And where I'm at with it right now is like, thank God they got it figured out. Thank God he's playing football for the Packers this year. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was really, really sketchy there for a long time in the offseason. And we talked about it. It's like, whatever they got to do, concede some of the things that he wants like just figure it out maybe he was getting Randall Cobb right I don't know like whatever it was like figure it out because if it's over fine let's let's let it be over after this year but thank God Rodgers we get one more year of it you know what I mean Zach I mean that's kind of like a corny thing to say but I mean I'm glad that they figured it out I'm glad it didn't end like this weird awkward offseason with Adam Schefter breaking the news during the freaking NFL draft you know what I mean yeah, like this was the best case scenario really for this scenario, how it unfolded because, you know, he, he had such a good year last year. He won the MVP. They came up a little short. Um, you know, clearly the team likes Jordan Love and they're going to eventually go to Jordan Love. I'm pretty convinced of that. So, yeah. yeah, just, you know, one more year. Let's let's go all in. You know, let's let's do everything we can to get over that hump and, and get back to a Super Bowl and then figure it out after then. So, yeah, it was such a long, drawn-out offseason of just endless speculation, reports, you know. You know, Rodgers didn't come out and put any of that down. I wish he would have because that would have put out a few a few fires for some of us that have to talk about it. But, but man, I, I'm just glad he's there for one more year. And then, you know, if we have to transition to Jordan Love after this year, that happens. But, you know, we'll make one more uh, title run at it here. Well, you know, I love the conspiracy theories, so that's fine. Rod, you know, Rogers wants to let us do that thing a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, we'll mm-hmm. do it. So, in terms of real football, the Packers have a game this coming weekend, and um, their opponent has lost their way at least from week one. So, talk about these are two teams heading in different directions. We're going to talk about Packers Steelers coming up next. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet Seven Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the marquee Sunday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. The Buccaneers 
are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Mac Jones and the Patriots. Jeff. I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady has got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or, excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks. And we should see a get-right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucs. Let's just call it a touchdown. That was your typical sports book fantasy minute win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typico sportsbook for a limited time new typico sportsbook users in colorado and new jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast that's usatodaybet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey 1-800-522-4700 in colorado all right, Zach. Packers, six and a half point favorites on the Typico Sportsbook app with the Steelers coming to Lambeau. And uh, the Steelers are kind of reeling right now. Uh, they've kind of done a nosedive since they upset Buffalo in week one. You know, the Packers get smoked and we're all like, what the hell was that? Uh, meanwhile, Pittsburgh's upsetting Buffalo, one of the bigger upsets of that week. And these two teams have gone in opposite directions for sure. And I really think the Packers have hit their stride. As I said, Rodgers just absolutely deadly. Now, he might be targeting Devontae Adams too much. He's got to throw to some of the other guys too. But the Steelers are just so banged up and they're struggling. And I'm just I'm giving the points away and taking the Packers in this one, especially if I'm under seven, like six and a half. I'm pretty confidently picking the Packers in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a game the Packers probably, you know, they should win comfortably. I think, you know, Big Ben and that that Steelers offense looking looking not great you know they can't they can't block anyone i think ben is hurt now too i think he's got a, a pectoral injury or something he didn't practice on uh, wednesday so yeah uh, they didn't you know they didn't pressure the Bengals at all without watt and i don't know if he's gonna play this week so i think juju is hurt too so yeah they're they're banged up like you said i think um i think i'd take the packers and the under here too i just you know that the steelers offense i just have no confidence in them generating explosive plays um i think they'd have to make it a, a slug fest to win it um kind of like they did in week one but i think the, like you said the packers are they're heating up on offense i think they're they're trending in the right direction that defense is you know maybe turned a corner too i just i just don't think the Steelers are gonna score enough to keep up i think when I made my prediction, I think I did 27-17 Packers. So, yeah, that would fit, uh, you know, plus six and a half and the under two, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually right with you. I think that's uh, that's a perfect score. I like 27-17, 24-14, 27-14, something like that. Because, yeah. you know, the Steelers man, they would love to be able to roll up their sleeves and make it a slugfest, but they can't run the football. They're dead last in yeah. rushing right now. I mean, they, I mean right. they threw the ball to Najee Harris, I think, 19 times and he caught 14 of them last week or something yeah. crazy but they can't run the football they've got a rookie center of, of look, rookie left tackle the offensive line's really really struggling and I think 
you know, without a special team score like they had in week one, Zach, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they hang with the Packers. I, I definitely like the under. Um, I love the under 45 and a half. I think that's that's a good number because the Steelers are going to have a hard time scoring. And, you know, another another guy that there's banged up is Deontay Johnson, which is really Ben Roethlisberger's yeah. safety blanket. Right. I mean, or a security right. blanket. That's who he likes to go to. That's the guy that actually is, you know, gets separation. You think about. Juju and uh, Claypool. I mean, those are big kind of post-up receivers. There's a, they kind of have, there's not a lot of separation there. Those are tight window throws that Ben's really struggling to make right now. Deontay Johnson's actually the guy that gets open and he's out with some mysterious knee injury that kept him out last week. So yeah, I hate the Steelers in this matchup and uh, I love the Packers. I think I think we're both, uh, we're on board with that, man. We're going to give the points and we're going to take the under. We're, we're in agreement. So this is not, this is a segment where usually we're supposed to argue, but no, we're in agreement. <laughs> No, that that sounds exactly right. I think, you know, if if the Steelers had a little bit a little bit better offensive line, and I knew uh, T.J. Watt was playing, I I would feel I'd feel a little bit better about the Steelers. But man, it, it's it's tough to like the Steelers even with six and a half points. And yeah, like you said, I I love that forty five and a half number. I think, you know. The, the Steelers are going to play play well on defense, but I you know I don't think they're going to score enough on offense to to get that over forty five and a half. Well, they they broke some long standing streak by not sacking Joe Burrow last week. Like they had like I think it was like seventy five games in a row with a sack, and they didn't even register. I think they had like one hit. They they barely touched yeah. the quarterback. It's weird. And if you're not going to be able to pressure Rodgers, forget it. So yeah, this game there's not a lot of meat on this bone. I think I like the Packers a lot. Uh, so I guess like we're gonna have to use your expert opinion on something else, Zach. My Patriots in the uh, the game of the century against the Bucks. Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough to play uh, his mentor, Bill Belichick. So what do you think? Do the Patriots have any shot in hell in this game? What do you think? I don't think so. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I, I think Tom Brady is going to burn that place to the ground. He unfortunately is. for you. Yeah, he is. But he, go ahead. Are you are you more of a Tom Brady fan or a Patriots fan? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I I like to argue with Patriots fans who say you have to pick a side, and I like to say it's okay to be both. But I've never seen. Yeah. It's been easy to root for the Patriots and also pull for Tom Brady, but they've never played each other yet. So I think this is going to be really awkward on Sunday. It's going to, my heart's going to be tugging. Yeah. You're going to learn something about yourself. I am. And I have a, I have a weird feeling that I'm going to be more of a Brady fan. I mean, I'm, I'm recording this podcast in my TB 12 hoodie right now. So, so that, that's just, that's where I'm at. Um, But yeah, I, I was telling Henry McKenna of the Patriots wire, that the Patriots only shot in hell is to turn Brady into a puddle of his own emotions and play tribute videos. <laughs> and when Brady breaks Drew Brees, passing record sometime in the first half that Belichick has to go out and like do a speech, get a microphone, do a speech and like <laughs> give him a hug. And, and they got to do all that. They got to turn like Brady it. into emotional mess. And yep. then, may, then they got to attack once he's like his, his forces are down. Yeah, I like that plan. He should forward it along to Bill. See what he thinks. <laughs> Henry thought I was stupid. He didn't like it at all. So, <laughs> so anyway. Um, but hey, man, good good to be back talking some football. Packers Steelers this weekend should be fun, and uh, we'll be back next week to break it all down. Unless my wife has a baby, which could happen any day, Zach. So any day now, my wife and I are expecting a child. I know uh, you've got a you've got a baby girl, and yes. uh, we're expecting ours on you know the due date's October 9th, So. It's, this could happen anytime, but we'll be back next week if, if he decides to stay in there and he's, he, he, and he's happy. But if he decides he wants to come out and watch Tom Brady play the Patriots, then um, we'll just have to record as soon as possible after the fact. You know what I'm saying? So that's, does that sound good? Oh, yeah. 
That sounds good. Best of luck to you and your wife. Much appreciated. Hope everything goes well. Much appreciated. Enjoy football this weekend, everyone. We'll be back next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.